You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, Millsboro, Fenwick, Rehoboth, what's up? How you doing? If you're happy in church, make, make some noise, all right? Or sing or yodel or something. Man, I am hyped up to be in the building with you all today. Now, I, I know some of you here and in Fenwick are like, wait, who's this hyper guy? Like, he kind of looks like a normal guy. You know, they're both wildly handsome and balding. Um, Hey, can we have some fun in church, Millsburg? Can we have fun today? Is that okay? We're gonna have some fun. Fenwick, we're gonna have some fun. And if we have not met before, my name is Joel and uh, the normal guy is my dad. That's why we both are balding, all right? And, um, and I'm also the Rehoboth campus pastor. And so shout out Rehoboth Beach, miss you all. And uh, I'm hyped up today because we're starting this three week series called Back in Black. Come on, who, who just went to like think about ACDC in your head? Just raise your hand. I, I just need to see who in the room needs Jesus. That's what I want to see. I know all Rehoboth does. Um, no, but we're going to talk about how to rock your financial world. And, and we called it back in black because we tend to think when we don't got any money that we're in the red. And when we got a little bit of money, we're in the what? We're in the black. And so I need everybody at every campus to tell three people, let's get back in black, all right? And if you sing it to them, you get bonus points. So go ahead, tell three people, let's get back in black. All right, all right. So here's how I want to start out today. I always like to ask questions. Um, So I need everybody in the room, everybody at every campus, I want you to go back to your elementary school cafeteria. I need you to think about, can can, can you just like taste that five-star cafeteria food? Can you taste it? Can you, listen, how about this? Who can, who can remember the smell of the cafeteria? You you remember that smell? It was not a blessing, was it? So here's what I want us to do. I want everybody at every campus to think about your favorite elementary school cafeteria lunch food item. Like when it was on the menu, you're like, woo, I'm excited about school today. And when I count to three, I need everybody to just shout me down with what that food was, okay? So whatever it was that you loved at elementary school, you just shout it out, all right? And there is not a wrong answer, unless you say meatloaf, okay? That's the wrong answer. All right, so here's the, here, we, here we go. All right, on three, just shout me down. One, two, three. I, got, I heard nothing. I, I heard earlier someone said shepherd's pie. Who, who said shepherd's pie? Our security. I mean, we, we need to escort this person out. Now, who said pizza? Come on, who said my people? The Lord is shining on all of you. That was what I wanted every single day, pizza. Now, I don't even know if you can get pizza in school nowadays. If you do, it's like gluten-free crust, you know? Does dessert, if you get dessert in school now, it's like locally sourced, non-GMO hummus paste. <laughs> but I grew up in the 80s, man. You know what I got for dessert every single day in the cafeteria? I got the Dixie cup, ice cream cup with the wooden spoon. Who remembers the wooden spoon? 
Woo! I will have a Pentecostal moment on this day. I, I love that. I got that every day. And so um, speaking of elementary school, I have two kids and they are both in elementary school. I think we have the picture we'll throw up on the screen. Maybe we do. Yeah, here they are. This is Nora, uh, is my daughter. She's going into third grade this year, and um, she's saying peace. That's, that's the peace girl. Uh, my son Nixon is going into second grade, and we all collectively as a church need to pray for peace for his teachers. <laughs> He's that kid. Now, let me set this up this way. Um, I don't know if you know this, but after COVID, um, school lunches have been free. Like with the basic lunch is free. The bare bones, like, you know, what, meat and potatoes is free. And I like free, all right? Now, you got to pay for, like, ice cream and, like, chocolate milk or whatever else, all, all the extras. And so at the beginning of the year, we put $150 on each of our kids' school lunch carts. And fast forward to the end of the year, my daughter, who's our godly child, she had only spent $10 all year. She had $140 left. However, my son, all right, who we're all praying for peace for his teachers for, he ran out of, he, I think he set the Delaware State record of kids who spent the most money the fastest, all right? We we're getting school notifications, like your kid is broke, how could you not say, we're like, we sent $150, it's not even picture day, the kid was out of money. <laughs> and he told us what he was doing, what he was doing is every day he would get ice cream, he will get chocolate milk. He will get a premium snack. And then he's like, Dad, I get second lunch. I'm like, what is second lunch? He's like, when you get a whole nother lunch, which is not free, people. And so I'm like, Nixon, I am, I am not Elon Musk. I am Pastor Tight. So Nora saved all her money. Nixon was broke by Thanksgiving, okay? And so here, here's my point, and, and we'll put this on the screen. When it comes to money, some of us are savers and some of us are spenders. We got savers and spenders. So if you are a spender, just give me a woohoo! Come on, just do it. Yeah. You're like, I'm living my best life. <laughs> now, savers, I couldn't get a woohoo out of savers to save my life. But just raise your hand if you're a saver. Where are the godly people in the room? Oh, yes, bless you, brother. I love you. You're like me. All right. Listen, for us savers, when somebody calls us cheap, we're like, thanks for the compliment. Now, maybe you're like, oh, I don't know what I am. Okay, here, here's a little test. Um, when you walked in, you should have got a baggie. Okay, okay, just hold up your bag. Just hold up your bag. Okay, some of you. All right, listen, if you already ate what was in the bag, if you ate the candy, you're a spender. You're like, ooh, candy, chomp, spender. Us savers, we're going to sell it for a 50% markup in the parking lot. Come on now. Listen, spenders love to hide purchases. Savers like to hide money under our mattresses. Spenders love to say, just replace it. Don't rotate the tires, just get a whole new car. Savers are like, no, 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 you, you repair it. All right, you're going to rock that 1987 Ford Taurus for another 10 years, buddy. Spenders love to say, let's eat out. Who cares if we just bought $300 at the food line? Let's, we're getting takeout tonight. <laughs> savers are like, I married an idiot. Okay, like that's, <laughs> so we got savers and we got spenders, all right? And, and so, but here's the thing, no matter what you are, a saver or a spender, we all know what it's like to worry and stress about money. Am I right? 
We all know what that's like. Now, this might surprise you, but did you know that God does not want you to worry and stress about money? Did you know this? This is why the Bible talks about money and possessions over 2,000 times. It's the second most talked about topic in the Bible. The Bible talks more about money and possessions than it does about prayer, than it does about heaven. The Bible talks more about money and possessions than it does about how evil the Pittsburgh Steelers dynasty is. Come on, we all know that's gospel. Rehoboth kind of pushes back on me, but this is a, these are good Christian folks in Millsboro. You know, the Steelers are evil. Amen, Amen. thank you. But, but listen, God, we know that God doesn't want us to love money, but did you know that God does want us to be smart with money? That's why it talks about it so much in the Bible. And so I'm just going to show you one of a whole lot of references about money. And what, what this is in the Bible, what I'm about to read is written by a guy named Solomon, you know, just the wisest guy who ever lived. All right. And so we're going to put this on the screen. This is Proverbs 2120. And it says this, it says, the wise store up. All the savers say, praise you, Lord. All right, come on. The wise store up, but fools, uh uh-oh. But the wise store choice food and oil, but fools gulp theirs down. All all the spenders are like, oh no. All right, I'm gonna go easy on you. I'm gonna go easy on you. But fools gulp it all down. Now, speaking of gulping down, I need you uh, again to get out your bag. Everybody get out your bag. Even if you ate it, just get out the bag. It'll be a visual representation. Every campus, go ahead and get that out. I want, you to sh- I want to show you why we're going to talk about money in church. And so you should have got a different candy bar. And so go ahead and get out your candy bars. And I'm going to show you what all the data shows about how we're doing with money and saving and spending. So if you got a payday bar... There should only be a few of you, but payday bar, would you, people, would you stand up? Every campus, stand up. If you got a payday bar, there should be just a couple of you. Okay, give it up for the payday people. No, no, stay standing, stay standing. Y'all are like, I want to sit down and eat my payday bar. Just stay standing. You guys represent the 2% of America that, get this, is on track to retire early. Woo! I know, it's a miracle. Congratulations, all right? Because you have like, you paid off all the debt, you own your house, you're probably a millionaire, all right? Which means you need to buy all of us Dixie Cups. Like we can't afford it, but you guys can. All right, who's feeling jealous about these guys? Yeah, all right, so y'all sit down, all right. So next, 100 grand bar people. This is my wife, she's a 100 grand bar person too, so go ahead and stand up. Everybody who's got 100 grand bars, should be a few more of you, go ahead and stand up. Okay, every campus, I hope you're standing. If you have the 100 grand bar, you represent the 10% of Americans that are on track to retire on time. Woo! You are going to be on some beach somewhere. Come on. Everybody who's sitting down, just look at them and just say, it must be nice. It must be nice. It is nice. And listen, when you retire, you're not going to have to eat fancy feast cat food because you got your debt under control, you live on a budget, things are good, you got a hundred grand and the rest of us are jealous of you too, so sit down. All right, now we're gonna get real in the house today. If you got the zero bar. Come on, stand up if you got the zero bar. Give it up for our zero bar people. They're mad at me right now, but zero bar people. 
All right, every campus, you have a zero bar. You represent the bottom 18% of America. You are as broke as my son Nixon in a school lunch line, okay? You are so poor, you can't afford to go KFC and lick other people's fingers. You got no money. You got, you're on a first name basis with your debt collector caller. You're like, oh, Susie, it's you again. I need my money. Oh, Susie. You know, you got, like, you got student loans, debt, you're drowning and all that. It would take you statistically the better half of a year to save up $1,000. It's bad. But I gave you a full-size candy bar today. <laughs> the other people got half-size, you know, little, little snack-size. They can afford their own, okay? But you guys got the full-size. But give it up for our zero-bar people. Make them feel a little bit better. Now, everybody who's left, you should have a crunch bar. Crunch bar people, stand up. Woo, yeah, give it up for the crunch bar people. If you got a crunch bar, you represent the 70% of America that's living in the financial crunch, baby. And so, listen, you stress about money, you fight about money, you know, you, you, you make some money, but you're like a magician. You're like, I made it disappear. I don't know where it went, but boom, gone. <laughs> but you're living in the crunch. And all the data points to when you get to retirement age, this is, you get to keep working. <laughs> Aren't you glad you came to church today? Okay, everybody take a seat, take a seat. I just wanted to show you that because this is why Solomon says, Wise people store up choice food and olive oil, but fools, oh, they crunch it down. They zero bar down that whole thing. And have, have you noticed that when we gulp it, when we gulp our stuff all down, all our money get down, like when we have more finance, when we have more fights with our spouse about money, when, when we're living in the crunch, when we're not in black have you noticed that we have less happiness? Have you noticed this? We have less happiness. And so maybe, and we'll put this on the screen, maybe less is more. Maybe less financed is better. Maybe less living in the crunch is better. Maybe less marriage fights about money is better. Maybe less living in the red is better. And so everybody just say less is more. Okay, we're going to say it again like we kind of sort of believe it. <laughs> On three at every campus. One, two, three. Less is more. Now Solomon, the wise guy guy, the guy we read from earlier, he believed this whole idea that less is more. Let me show you what he said. This is Ecclesiastes 4.6. He said, better is one handful with tranquility. Everybody say, ah. Better is one handful with ah than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Or you could say it like this, better is one handful and a little bit of money saved up in the bank than two handfuls and toil and chasing after the wind and a big old handful of credit card debt. Or better is one handful with tranquility and a, an okay car that you own then two handfuls of toil and chasing after the wind and a brand new F4, F750. <laughs> Dutton Ranch edition with the massage butt seats. 
I don't know if that exists. It probably does. But better is one handful with some ah than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Now, question. Solomon is the guy who said, store up, save, baby, save some oil and some, you know, food. But he's also the guy who's saying, less is more, baby, store up, less is more. What? Which, which one is it, Solomon? And so here's what I, I believe, all right? If you don't know Solomon, Solomon had a lot of stuff. Back in 900 BC, he was Elon Musk, all right? He had so much money. He's like what my old financial advisor used to say. He had so much money, he was farting through silk boxers. <laughs> Sorry, that's a little crude. Rehoboth enjoyed it though. Um, but he had all this money, but he gets to the end of his life and he's reflecting back. And that's when he writes, it's better to have one handful with peace than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. And, and here's what I kind of think he's getting to. And I, we'll, we'll put this up on the screen so you guys can follow along. He, he's getting to this. We need less of what doesn't matter so we can experience more of what does matter. Are, are you guys with me? We need less of what doesn't matter so we can experience more of what does matter. So here's the question, what matters? Think about your life, like what really matters? For me, what really matters is at the end of the day, getting to sit on the couch next to my smoking hot wife and getting to talk to her. And maybe if I'm lucky, getting a little makeout session on the couch with my wife. We're married, it's okay. What really matters to me is, is watching my daughter ride her bike. What really matters to me is playing football with my son. What really matters to me is getting to sit on a beach for free and seeing God's creation with 10,000 of my closest friends <laughs> from New Jersey, okay? <laughs> but what matters to me is coming to church and singing to Jesus with my church family. That matters to me. That matters to me more than the type of countertops I have. That matters to me more than what I'm driving. That matters to me more than how big my TV is during NFL season. Okay, just kidding. That last part, I'm not quite there, but I'm like trying to get there. I'm still growing. But I'd argue all day long that we would get back in black if we live like we need less of what doesn't matter so that we can experience more of what does matter. So Solomon's like, listen, better is one handful with peace than two handfuls and a bunch of stress and craziness. And so less is more. So how do we get back in black by using less is more? I have just two points for you today. If you're taking notes, I know some of you brought notebooks in and we're hoping they don't bring notebooks in, but Millsboro, you brought notebooks. All right. So point number one is this. We get back in black by cutting back, by cutting back. Now, uh, I need everybody in the room to go back to 1983. Some of you are like, I was minus 20. Okay, but just, just pretend. And uh, to kind of get you feeling nostalgic, I have a picture of our church back in 1983. We'll throw up on the screen. This is uh, the Millsboro campus. It's coming. I think it's, there it is. That's here, guys. Back in good old 1983. Now, uh, here's what I'll tell you. Um, back in 1983, two things were happening. Number one, the Orioles were in first place. Yeah, it's the last time it's ever happened, okay? But also in 1983, 
That picture we just showed, that trailer next to there, that, the church, that was my house. Right there is where I lived. Listen, I lived 200 feet. My bedroom was 200 feet from where I'm standing right now. Now, you think your parents drug you to church a lot as a kid? You tried growing up in the church parking lot. Like, you can't skip church when, like, Sister Sally is, like, parallel parking next to your bedroom window, okay? You can't. So we're always in church. Um, now, in 1983, in that trailer, I didn't have a closet. I had a bureau. Everybody say bureau. Bureau. Anybody ever had a bureau before? It's the funniest word I've ever heard. Now, in 1988, we moved from that place to a little rancher five miles up the road. And in 1988, the Orioles were now in their favorite position, last place. But my bedroom was bougie. I had a closet. It was amazing. And then in 2001, the Orioles are still in last place. But we moved again, and in our newer house, I had an even bigger closet. And then in 2007, and you can check all my stats here, the orders are still in last place. But I married my smoking hot wife, the one I like to, you know, kiss on the couch. And we got our house, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, but in our house, in our master bedroom, we had a master walk-in closet. A walk-in closet. I made it, people. Now, I'm only allowed to use 10% of the closet. Come on, men in the room. Let's all get in trouble together. How many of you are only allowed to use 10% or less of the closet? That's right. Some of you are like holding up your zero bar. You're like, I get zero space. (laughs) But we had a walk-in closet. And then in 2020, Stacey and I moved into our place that we live in now. And this is crazy. We had a two-level walk-in closet, which means there was a rack on the bottom level and a rack on the top level. You can hold, hang your pants on the bottom level and you can hang your shirt on the top level or you can mix it up. It's a two-level double-decker stacker stism rock closet. And I only get 10% of that closet too. And so what I do is I put 100% of my clothes on 10% of the closet rack. Come on, who maxes out your closet rack? You're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see what physics can do here. All right, I put 7,300 pounds in a little area just like this. And so the other day I was looking at the, the hardware on my closet and I, well, we'll put a picture up. This is a real picture from my closet. Anybody see a problem? I've maxed out my closet rack and I broke the little hinge thing that holds it together. Anybody here ever broken a closet or like a, a rack because you put too much on it? Oh yeah, yeah. Bless you, brother. I see you. I see these hands. And so I had so much stuff that I maxed out the walk-in closet rack. Now, I don't know if you know this, but in the early 1900s, when they built houses, houses only came with one teeny tiny closet for the most part. How'd they even survive? Because in 2022, listen, we got closets in every bedroom, right? And some genius came up with a bathroom closet, a water closet. Come on, all the married people, just say amen, amen. You got a water closet and we got, we got closets in every bedroom. We have a walk-in closet. Some of you have a walk-around closet. You have like a walking track in there. Eight laps, you got a mile in, okay? You're like counting your steps and you're touching all your clothes and you're saying, I got nothing to wear. And we fill up our closets. Listen, if you have empty closet space right now, you are a psycho. 
We fill up our closets and then we start to, so after we fill up that, we put stuff in, 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 in the attic. And then when we fill up the attic, we don't park the car in the garage anymore. We park our 1980s members only jackets collection in the garage, right? And so we fill up our closets, we fill up the attic, we fill up the park or the garage, and then what do we rent? A storage unit. We pay someone else, somewhere else, to store our stuff that we don't even know we have somewhere else. We pay for a storage unit. Everybody just shout, America. Listen, 64% of us can't afford a $1,000 emergency because we haven't stored up anything. But we got so much clothes stored up, we don't even know what to do with it. Which is why less is more. Mills were less is more. Fenwick and Rehoboth, less is more. Why? Because it's better to have one handful and some peace than two handfuls and a bunch of stress and stuff. One day, um, Jesus was talking to a giant crowd. And um, he, you know, Jesus is telling some good stuff because he's Jesus. And so he's just laying it out there, good stuff. And then a guy interrupts Jesus from the crowd. You interrupts Jesus. Now, we don't know his name. The Bible doesn't tell us. So we'll call him Heckler Hank. Heckler Hank interrupts Jesus. And Heckler Hank says, Jesus, my brother got all my parents' stuff. And I need you to tell my brother I need half the stuff for my parents. I need some more stuff. Jesus, would you tell my brother to give me half the stuff? And this is what Jesus says in Luke 12, 15. He says, Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Everybody say stuff. And so Jesus says, life doesn't consist of a bunch of stuff. Now, nobody in the room or nobody, I'm sure, in Rehoboth or Fenway just went, wow, that's so smart. Like that, that hyper guy on the stage and Jesus, like this is brand new stuff that they're saying. Like, no, we know this stuff. But the hard part is doing this stuff. And so how do we live like less is more? What do we do with what we know? If you're feeling the crunch, if you want to get back in black, here's my suggestion. Cut back by consuming less. Cut back by consuming less. Now, um, I turned 40 in December as evidenced by the pillbox that my wife just got me last week. That is not made up. She gave me a pillbox. I'm like, I'm really, I am 39 years old, but man, it's convenient. I like the pillbox. <laughs> anyway, but at almost 40, I realized I want less stuff and more time with my family. I want less stuff and more time with the people that I'm closest with. I want less stuff and more experiences, okay? I want less stuff and more time with our friends. I want less stuff because my life doesn't consist of an abundance of possessions. And so I, I want less of what doesn't matter so I can experience more of what does matter. And so maybe you do too. And so what do we do? We cut back by consuming less. And the byproduct of that is that when you consume less, you spend less. Somebody got it, okay? And when you spend less, you get back in black. Woo! You get that 100 grand bar, buddy. And so we consume less, we cut back, and that helps us get back 
in black. All right, so that's my first point. Here's my next point. We'll talk about this a little more next week, but we get back in black by paying off, by paying off. Now, can I, can I make a pastor confession to you all? Is this a safe place? Are you guys good at secret keeping? Fenwick and Rehoboth, you get like, I know this is only going out to about 600 people right now. So like, it's just, you know, we're a small group. I can confess some stuff. Just keep this to yourselves, guys. Um, I have a little confession. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but three weeks ago, I got a credit card. Listen, I know I just Dave Ramsey sinned. I know I did. Okay, and I've stood right here on this stage before and I've been like, don't get a credit card. Credit cards are bad. It's sin. It's good. Dave Ramsey's going to come get you. But here's what happened. Can I tell you a story? Can I, can I tell you, like, give it, can I justify it for you all so I feel better about myself? Okay, here, here's a story. In December, I told you I'm turning 40. And also in December, me and my wife are celebrating 15 years of marriage. Go ahead and clap for that. That's exciting. And so we had to like schedule a vacation to like celebrate my 40th and our 15 year anniversary. And so we scheduled a vacation and we paid for it because Dave Ramsey said so. But three weeks ago, I needed to get our airline flights. I needed to get our flight tickets. And so I was feeling in the vacation mode. I went to southwest.com and I'm, you know, singing songs in my head like, don't worry about a thing because every little thing's Oh, yeah, yeah. You're on vacation mode, too. That's how I was feeling. And so I put in our dates and our airport and all that. I had fine flights. I'm, like, feeling good. And then the, the price for the flights came up. There were four digits. There was a comma. And listen, I, I, I don't cuss. I'm 99% sure I didn't say cuss word. But I'm 100% sure I thought one. But then I saw this banner on the side of the Southwest page. It says, if you will get a Southwest credit card, you get $200 off your first statement. And, and, and then I just had this moment. I was like, I got to do it. <laughs> Come on, who's done this before? Who, who knows what I'm doing? Okay. And so I did it. And there's still a comma in the total. <laughs> but listen. That stresses me out. We don't, we don't do credit cards and our, we're going to pay it off as soon as the first statement comes in. That's the goal. But listen, every night at midnight, my Southwest car, it starts talking to me. It starts saying, I can show you the world. I'm like, I want to see the world. But until I pay that thing off, I am worried and stressed. Like it, it just throws me off. Okay. And so that's what not to do, everybody. That's what not to do. But how many of you would raise your hands and say, money stress is no fun? Okay, raise your hand if you would say, money stress is no fun. Okay, 80% participation. The rest of you, liar, liar, pants on fire, okay? <laughs> but listen, I've never heard somebody say, oh, I was having trouble sleeping, so I got all this credit card debt. I'm sleeping the best I've ever slept. I've never heard anybody at Thanksgiving say, hey, hey guys, excuse me, excuse me. I just, I, just, I just want everybody to know I want to make a toast to my 18% credit card interest rate. <laughs> oh, man, they're taking me to the cleaners, and I love it more than this turkey and this pretzel salad. It's so good. No, we, we, we don't say that. Why? Because better is one handful with peace than two handfuls with a bunch of stress and debt. And you might say, well, the Bible doesn't talk about debt, Pastor Joel. Why don't you leave your opinions to yourself, Pastor Joel? 
Listen, the Bible does talk about that a lot. Here's just one example. This is Proverbs 22, 7. And it says, we'll kind of breeze through the first part, but it says the rich rules over the poor and the what? The borrower is slave to the lender. Now, I don't know how you interpret this verse, but my inner spidey sense does not say, oh, that means it's a good thing. Like Capital One's marketing department is never going to be like, you know what we need to add to the end of our commercials? That verse right there. Okay, what's in your wallet? Capital One, your ticket to slavery. (laughs) That's never going to make it through the marketing department, right? And so, listen, I know I Dave Ramsey sin when I did this Southwest thing, but I also knew this. Debt-free is the way to be. So I'm going to say some crazy stuff right now. And what I'm about to say is so crazy. People around you might start murmuring. They might be like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. People might get up and walk out. I don't know, but I'm going to go for it, okay? When you pay some things off, you may feel less stressed. When you pay some things off, you may sleep better at night. When you pay some things off, you may have some extra money left over at the end of the month. Can you imagine? When you pay some things off, you may be able to be generous when an opportunity comes out to be generous. When you pay some things off, you might be able to buy those $5 Girl Scout cookies when you leave the grocery store. Praise the Lord. It's Samoa's every time or you're not a Jesus follower. You may be able to afford that $5 avocado. You may be able to re-up your Netflix account because mine just went up to like 19 bucks or something. If you pay some things off, you may be even having a better marriage than you do right now. Better. Everybody say better. Better is it to have one handful and some peace than two handfuls and a bunch of toil and stress, two handfuls and a bunch of debt. Or you could say this, it's better to have an okay car that works than a brand new one with 84 months payment. It's better to have an okay house with a normal doorbell button than a really fancy one that's like a video high, you know, high def situation that you gotta work 17 jobs just to afford. It's better to have some room to breathe. Everybody just breathe. It's better to have some room to breathe so you can live your life with some space than constantly stressed out. It's better. It's better. And maybe you're like, maybe you're like, oh, Susie, guess this church doesn't want us to have any stuff. Should have skipped church today, Susie. When's the normal guy back, okay? <laughs> Listen. That's not what this church believes, that you shouldn't have any stuff, okay? I want you to have some stuff. I think God wants you to have some stuff because, spoiler alert, some of your Bible heroes were stinking rich. Like Moses, grew up in a palace, rich. Abraham, so rich. David, ridiculously rich. Solomon, bougie rich. Well, Jesus wasn't rich. Jesus had a treasure. Do you know any poor people with a treasure? Because I do not. And so I'm not saying I don't want you to have anything, but I am saying this. It's better to have a few things that you own than a bunch of junk that owns you. It's better to have a few things that we own than a bunch of stuff that owns us because it's better to have a handful with some peace than two handfuls and a bunch of stress and debt. And here's what I've noticed, though. All this money talk. I've noticed that sometimes the richest people in the world don't always have the most money. Have you noticed that? 
I'm going to end by telling you about a guy named Sam. Uh, and Sam is a real guy. We have a picture of Sam we'll throw up on the screen. Uh, th- this is Sam right here. And uh, I met Sam around the time where I lived in the trailer right over there. Okay. And, and I, I heard Sam before I ever saw Sam. You ever met, meet somebody like that? So here, here's what happened. Um, back in the day in our church, when it was just that like red brick church, um, we used to have a guy in the church named Brother Phil. Everybody say Brother Phil. Brother Phil, whenever the music would start playing, Brother Phil would start hooping and hollering. He'd be like, woo! And then he would just take off and start running around the pews. Like some of you run around your walk-in closets. He was running around the pews. And I was like a five-year-old kid. And I hear like Brother Phil like running around the place, hooping and hollering. And I'd be like, like, mom, what's wrong with brother Phil? And she'd be like, oh, don't worry, son. The spirit's just on him. And I was like, I hope the spirit don't get on me. <laughs> and so one, one Sunday, I hear all this hooping and hollering behind me. I'm like, hey, the spirit's on brother Phil again. And I look, and it wasn't brother Phil. It was Sam. It was that Sam guy. And for the next few years, Brother Phil and Sam went head to head for like the most joyful people in the church. Now, Sam ended up being my Sunday school teacher. And this is true. Every Sunday to keep, make sure the kids would pay attention, he would come to church dressed full on as a cowboy. Full, full cowboy, head to toe. I don't know if he thought Jesus was in a Western movie or what, but he would be like telling us about David and Goliath and like David picked up these stones and put in his lasso. And he was like, yeehaw. And I'm like, I don't think that's biblical, but Okay. <laughs> And Sam was unforgettable. That's why I'll never forget the first time I went to Sam's house. It was right over in Laurel. And we pulled up and his house was just this raw four wall cinder block walls. I don't even know if it, I can't even remember if it had a door on it, but it had a doorway because you could go in. Had loose metal sheets just laying on the top of it. And it had dirt floors, no running water. It was a family of six that Sam had and they separated rooms in that house with sheets. And this isn't a third world country. This is 20 minutes from here. And I've been to a lot of third world countries. To this day, it was the poorest house I have ever been in. But I come to church and I see Sam. He had nothing, but he'd worship Jesus like he had everything. Because sometimes the richest people in the world don't always have the most money. Now, here's where the story gets crazy. Sam got a lot of different jobs throughout his life. And eventually he started making a little bit of money, but he learned how to live on less is more because he never had anything. And so one day Sam built one of the biggest houses I remember seeing as a kid. And then, and this is not made up. Sam was so successful. He turned into a financial advisor. This is dressed up like a cowboy, you know, hooping and hollering. Sam who had nothing, dirt floor Sam turned into a financial advisor. And guess who my first financial advisor was? Sam, guess who taught me that weird phrase? You'll get so, if you save your money, you'll be farting through silk shorts one day. (laughs) Guess who that was? That was Cowboy Sam, okay? And I tell you that because I saw Sam with nothing and I saw Sam with a whole lot and he lived a rich life either way. And, you know, I look back on Sam and he taught me some really great things, but he taught me, you don't have to have a lot of money to be rich. He was just as happy in a cowboy suit as he was in a three-piece suit. But Sam learned how to live on less is more, and he was able to save up a whole lot. And it's better to have one handful and some Sam joy, some hooping and hollering, I guess, 
They had two handfuls and a bunch of stress and debt. And so I just ask you this, if you want to get back in black, how, how could you cut back? Well, what areas could you maybe pay off if you want to get back in black? And just think about this, what would it feel like to get back in black? I think it would feel like what Sam lived out. We know that less is more. And so uh, I, I want to bring this home. Um, when, when you go home on your way home today or um, sometime this week or in your baser group, wherever you are, I just want you to ask yourself some questions. And we'll put this on the screen. You can take a picture if you want. You can write it down or just take a mental note. But here's three questions to just follow up on this message. The first one is this. Where can we cut back to get back in black? Where can we cut back? You know, maybe for you, um, you cut back on eating out so much. Maybe uh, you, you cancel some of your subscriptions because I got so many subscriptions, I don't even know what to do with them all. Maybe uh, what you do is you cancel that gym membership because you haven't been there since Gerald Ford was president. <laughs> Maybe row with people, you shop at Aldi. My goodness, I, we need an Aldi and Gumber. I will tell you, it'll change your life. You know, or maybe you, you rent the red box instead of going to the theater. I don't know what it is, but what, where can we cut back to get back in black? The second point is this, what can we pay off or sell to get back in black? Maybe you pay off the Capital One credit card. I pay off my Southwest credit card, don't tell anybody. Um, maybe you pay off the cat vet bill and get yourself a real pet, dog. <laughs> Sorry, Rehoboth comes to expect those jokes. But anyway, you know, or maybe you sell something. Maybe you sell that Peloton you got during COVID that you have at Peloton on one time. Or maybe you sell the 1987 Ford Taurus that's parked in the front yard that has a tree growing through it. I don't know what it is, but you can do some of that to help pay some things off. And then the last thing is you always got to dream. How would our life be different if we were back in black? Just dream a little bit. Because my dream for me and for all of us is that we get to the place where we really believe that less is more. Because I've noticed that for me, life is pretty perfect when I'm sitting in a rusted out beach chair on the beach watching my kids play in the water. Life is pretty perfect when I'm going fishing with my kids with worms that they dug out of our yard or our neighbor's yard. And I'm working on that with our kids. And life is pretty perfect when at the end of the night, I'm sitting on the couch with my wife watching This Is Us on Hulu, the $6.99 version with commercials because we can't afford the $9.99 version. And life is pretty perfect when I get to come to church and worship Jesus with my church family in a free country. It's pretty perfect when you think about it that way. And so maybe, just maybe, less is more is a secret to rock your financial world. Let me pray for you guys. Jesus, I am so thankful that the Bible is so practical. And sometimes it's like, wow, maybe that's too practical because I, now I got to do something with that. But God, I just pray that we'll take this in slowly and then we'll just look at our lives and just, just maybe start where we are and just start slow, but do something. What, what can we pay off? What, where can we cut back? Because there's got to be some things that we can do. If we're not in the black, maybe there's some things that we can do to help get us there. And if we are in the black, God, help us to share that wisdom with other people so that they know what to do, God. And so I just pray that you'll, you'll help this land where it needs to land. And I just pray that you'll always challenge us so that we can honor you better with our lives. And that includes our money. In Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. 
A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.